A few years ago, we bought an old rundown house to restore. It was a labourer of love. I had a big vision for that house, but I remember about three months into the project, standing in the middle of a space which had been three rooms, but was now a mass of scaffolding and rubble with two huge gaping holes in what had been the outer walls of the house, thinking, oh my goodness, what have we done? This is complete carnage. Thankfully, I held on to hope, trusted the builders, and a few months later, the space had been transformed into a lovely home. In different areas of life, we have to go through those messy times in order to come through the other side, restored, renewed. By Haggai chapter two, we find the Israelites stood in the midst of the mess of the temple, and they are discouraged. They've worked through the apathy and complacency we saw in chapter one and have been working on rebuilding and restoring the temple now for a month. But it's as though they've hit a metaphorical wall. Everything still looks a mess. Piles of rubble and building materials everywhere. No sign of the restored temple. No sign of the glory of God seen in the last temple. And so they're despondent and discouraged. And it feels worse because actually when Haggai is speaking to them, they've just celebrated the Feast of the T Tabernacles, the festival uh, where the Israelites relived the experience of their ancestors wandering through the desert for 40 years, waiting, hoping to reach the promised land. And this year, that has almost felt a bit too real for them because here they are again, stood in the mess of the temple, and they're waiting and they're hoping for all that God has promised them and they feel discouraged. I wonder if you've been into a shop or a restaurant or even here into the church building over the past couple of weeks. You've been glad to be back but if you're honest you know it's still not the same is it? Maybe you've thought I wish it was like it was before. Maybe you're sat here now longing for something of the past. And that's not a new thing. In 520 BC, people were doing just that. They were harking back to the good old days, harking back to Solomon's stunning temple. And as they look around them at the mess of the temple, the despondency kicks in. The prophet Ezra, writing about these same events, notes how it was the people who have been around the longest who are struggling the most. Ezra 3 verse 12 we read, many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid, whilst others shouted for joy. They were disheartened. They could remember the good old glory days of the temple. And so whilst some people delighted that the temple was being rebuilt, that temple worship would once again resume, the skeptics were moaning. You know, it's not like it was before. This temple will never reach the former glory of the last temple. God can't possibly be with us in the midst of all this mess. But so as, as so often is the case, God speaks into this situation with words of love, words of encouragement, as he prepares them for a new thing. He tells them three things. You can be strong 
because I'm with you. He reminds them, you don't need to fear because you know I am at work. And then he gives them hope, a vision of the future temple. Let's just unpick these three encouragements for a few minutes. So firstly, he tells them, you can be strong because I am with you. Three times he tells them, be strong. Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the Lord. And work because I am with you. You can do this, he's saying. You can keep going because I am here. I am with you. And your strength to do this work comes from me. To these people who at this point believed that the key to God's manifest presence on earth was the temple, and as they look around them, the temple is in a complete mess. These words are exactly what they need to hear. I am with you, says the Lord. This promise of the presence of God to his people is the silver thread through the whole story of the Bible. To Abraham, the Lord makes a, a promise to his people, I will be with you. To Joshua, the Lord says, be strong and courageous. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. To Gideon, called to be a leader, but hiding in a wine press out of fear, the Lord says, I am with you, mighty warrior. To the whole people of God, he tells them in Zephaniah, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. To Mary, the angel declares, the Lord is with you. And then the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God took up residence in the neighborhood. And the final promise that Jesus makes in Matthew 28 verse 20 is this, I will be with you always. And then at Pentecost, the Spirit of God smashes apart the past expectations of the presence of God. And now all of us who believe and trust in Jesus get to be filled with the presence of God in a whole new, more personal way. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us, giving us strength and power to live and work and witness for him. The presence of God is with us now. The presence of God is with you now, filling and strengthening you for whatever the next season of kingdom work looks like. I was so moved by the images of the Queen sat all alone in St George's Chapel, Windsor, during the funeral of Prince Philip a couple of weeks ago. But then this drawing by Charlie Mackesy popped up on my Instagram a day or two later, where he has beautifully and profoundly drawn an image of the Spirit of God hovering over the Queen as she sat alone in her pew. The presence of God, the source of her strength, with the one who knows and loves him. And so we too need to keep connected. We need to be practicing the presence of God. We do this together, don't we, as a community by committing to worship together on Sundays or in our connect groups or within our Christian communities. But we also practice the presence of God through our daily acts of devotion and worship. Well, what does this look like? Maybe think of it in terms of your head, your heart and your hands. In our heads, 
get to know the promises of God in Scripture. Those times when we are reminded that the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So that when you don't feel it, because we don't always feel it, do we? It's embedded within us so that we can know the truth, we can cling to the truth, and the truth can set us free. Practice the presence of God in your head and then in your heart. Open the hard places of your heart to the presence of God. I often pray a little prayer through the day that goes something along the lines of this. Father, help me to notice you today. Jesus, be my strength. Spirit, fill me. It's just really simple. Father, help me to notice you today. Jesus, be my strength. Spirit, fill me. It's sometimes simply the presence of God that enables us to keep clinging on, sometimes just by our fingertips. I love these words of Brother Lawrence, a 17th century monk. He says this, He does not ask much of us, merely a thought of him from time to time, a little act of adoration, sometimes to ask for his grace, sometimes to offer him your sufferings, at other times to thank him for the graces past and present. One need not cry out very loudly. He is nearer to us than we think. So practice the presence of God with your head and with your heart and with your hands. For the people Haggai is speaking to, knowing the presence of God gave them the reason and the strength to keep going with their work of rebuilding the temple. They are working for the Father in the strength of the Spirit. And I believe that some of us today need to just get on our knees and surrender our work to Jesus, to ask him to fill us, to give us strength to plough on through this stage of despondency or discouragement that we're in, to give us strength to do the work that is before us, whatever that might be. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. Be strong. I am with you. And then secondly, the second encouragement. The, Lord's rem the Lord reminds the people, you don't need to fear because remember, I am at work. The Lord is saying to them, you don't need to fear about what is going on now or worry about what the temple will look like in the future or about whether I am actually with you because just look back, remember Egypt and all those times when I promised I would be with you and I was with you. And then don't live in the past, constantly harking back to what was, living off those past spiritual experiences. But notice where I'm at work now and expand your vision of what I'm doing now. I'm the God of the past, he's saying, the God of the present and the God of the future. Do not fear. I am with you, he says. What an incredible message for each of us today. For those of you who are fearful, for those of you who are looking too much to the past. For those of you who are doubting, for those of you who long to know more of Jesus, he says, do not fear, I am with you. And then let your longing 
lead to action. Hold on to what you know of God from the past, his faithfulness, those answers to prayer, your knowledge of scripture. Remember why and how you made that first commitment to Christ. Remind yourself of that moment when you experienced the presence of God tangibly, maybe in a worship song or in Alpha or in a service or just sat on your own somewhere. Or that time when a prayer was answered or you asked for a sign and funnily enough, some strange coincidence happened. And then pause and ask the Spirit to renew and revive your heart, to renew your love for him, to give you the faith to trust in him for the present and the future. Do not fear, Jesus says, I am with you. And then the last encouragement, thirdly, the Lord gives the people hope. He gives them a vision of the future. He moves them from where they are to where they're going to be. At the start of chapter two, it's as though the people are stood at the bottom of a mountain. They just can't quite get past the discouragement and the disappointment that they're facing. And it's like a huge mountain before them. But then in verses seven to nine of chapter two, it's as though the Lord takes them by the hand and he leads them up the mountain and he shows them this incredible view of the future glory of the temple. He gives them hope of the greater things to come. He says, look, I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. He says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of that former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace. As God opened the eyes of the people of Israel to the future glory of the temple, they would never have imagined that the glory of God spoken of here would be revealed in a person. But 500 years later, in Jesus, the future hope becomes a present reality. As Jesus taught and worshipped and challenged in that very temple, in the temple that they were building, the glory of God is seen in all its fullness. And then on the cross, as Jesus became the sacrifice for sin once and for all, and that curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, the way became open and the way of peace between each other and the way of peace between you and I and our creator God was made possible. Do you know the glory, the hope that you can have in Jesus? The Lord is here. His spirit is with you. Do you feel stuck at the bottom of the mountain, unable to see beyond what is before you? Is there something overwhelming you, something that perhaps feels just insurmountable? The Lord is here, his spirit is with you. Maybe you long for someone close to you to know Jesus as their saviour in the way that you found. Maybe you long to know again the presence and the strength of the Holy Spirit filling you and renewing your faith. The Lord is here, his spirit is with you. And so let him take you by the hand and lead you and us as a church forward. 
giving us more than we could ever ask or imagine. Let's pray. Let's take a moment to respond to whatever the Spirit is challenging us on in our hearts. Maybe you want to name somebody before God who we would long to come to know him. Maybe you want to bring ourselves before him in this moment. Our doubts, our lack of faith, the way that we get sceptical and look to the past. Maybe we need to be renewed ourselves. Father God, we thank you that you are here, that your spirit is with us, that you are closer than we often remember. You're closer than we can even imagine. Lord, let us hold on to you, to follow you wherever you may take us. May we know our strength is in you and our hope is in you.